0: Episode 54 of the Nexus podcast, February 2020. This month's podcast sponsor is the Mission Leaders Conference in 2020, happening in September in beautiful Orlando, Florida, uh, where I live. It'll be the last year we do it here. We're moving on to other places next year. Uh, This year's topic is... Focus 2020, the Great Commission. What is our task? Really important topic right now, and I hope you'll avail yourselves of the early bird discount, which is available now. Well, for today's interview, we're going to be talking to talking with Joe Handley from Asian Access, and I'm going to go ahead and roll it, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm excited to be talking around the globe with Joe Handley today. Uh, Joe, thanks for being on the call with us.
1: It's great to be with you, Ted.
0: It's amazingly clear, um, audio and video, at least on my end. Uh, Joe is sitting on the other side of the world right now, so let's hope this tech works. Uh, Joe is the uh, leader of Asian Access, and I think there's probably going to be some on the call that don't know who you guys are. Could you tell us a little bit about your mission and what you're about?
1: Sure. Asian Access is a leadership development uh, ministry that comes alongside key leaders uh, across Asia, uh, at least presently, um, to empower them. Uh, we're, we're in essence an accelerator for mission. So we build capacity of kingdom leaders that turns into an acceleration mechanism for them. Uh, if they're church planters, they become stronger at church planting. If they're business leaders, they become more effective in being missional in the marketplace. So everything we do is really driven towards empowering leaders to be more effective and multipliers in uh, kingdom ventures. Uh, That may surprise some of of the people listening because some may know us historically as a mission that was founded in Japan as an English teaching ministry. Uh, But over the years, we have adapted and modified based on the times And uh, the last uh, 40 years or so, we've been focusing more and more on developing capacity of Indigenous leaders to accelerate them in mission.
0: And What's the modus operandi? How do you go about fulfilling that mission? So we have a
1: a two-year process that we come alongside leaders in currently 16 countries, as well as a Pan-Asia program that recently started with younger leaders. Uh, this two year program offers anywhere from six to eight, uh, weekend or week long retreats over those, uh, two periods of time a week or two years of time. Uh, and we, um, in those retreats, we cover about 14 different topics. Uh, those 14 topics fall under four key categories. For the lifetime of a leader, we hope to see four key outcomes. That for their lifetime, they would live in a love relationship with God. Out of that would flow becoming a better or stronger Christ-like leader. A lot of that focuses on character development. From those two foundational uh, points, we uh, seek to reproduce disciple-making leaders. And finally, to catalyze missional movements. So these four things live in a love relationship with God, grow as a Christ-like leader, reproduce disciple making leaders and catalyze missional movements.
0: And you talked about uh, church planners and you also talked about, uh, I think I forget the exact term you use, but I got the impression marketplace leaders. Right. What What's the mix there? And in, in, do you mix those cohorts? Do you, do you treat them separately? How do you ha- handle that?
1: Yeah, currently we do not. Uh, our business cohorts launched just about five years ago. Uh, I actually was fundraising in Hong Kong, of all places, sharing the vision for empowering church planters. And one of the business leaders leaned over to me and grabbed my arm and said, Why are you doing that with just pastors? I want to be able to do that and be more effective with my pastor in ministry, in church planting, in the marketplace. And so for the last four to five years, we've been coming alongside marketplace leaders to help catalyze missional movements from the marketplace. And we're currently doing that in, uh, let's see, uh, three countries, but looking to open about three more in, in, in 2020, with just the marketplace side.
0: So I'd be curious to know if if you're, are there any significant differences you're seeing Yeah,
1: there definitely are. Um, Like one of the key differences for pastors, that fourth outcome focuses, has focused predominantly on church planting over the years. Uh, For business leaders, a few of them are actually church planting in the context of their business, but the vast majority are just trying to catalyze disciple making initiatives or making a difference in society, being a light of Christ through uh, addressing social issues or challenges. For instance, uh, uh, take a look at Hong Kong, for instance, you've got this huge political issue. Um, How can we as believers lean into that? How can we be a light of Christ in the midst of all that's going on? So that's one of the key differences Um, interestingly enough, uh, the business side has influenced the church side. And so now we have, uh, kingdom leaders on the pastor side that are doing far more than just church planting, addressing big issues in, in society, uh, that had happened over the years, but we're seeing that increasingly, uh, happening on the pastor side. Now, the other key difference probably has to do with time. Uh, Most of our pastor tracks have four days in the middle of the week where a pastor can get away once a quarter, uh, Tuesday through Friday, and leave ministry aside for a while and just regroup with 12 to 15 other leaders to help build their capacity. Uh, Most business leaders are not able to take off that kind of time. So we've adapted the program for them over weekend format. And that ends up being a Friday night through Sunday midday. Um, and that, that works well. So those, I would say, are the two biggest key differences. Otherwise, it's pretty much identical. Living in a love relationship with God, growing as a Christ-like leader, and reproducing disciple-making leaders. In essence, those operate the same, whether or not you're a pastor or a, a CEO or business owner.
0: So, when you talk about uh, missional movements as right. one of your objectives, is there what is that? What have you seen in terms of fruit in that arena? So, on the pastor side, we've
1: seen remarkable fruit, and we don't want to claim it. Um, this is not exclusively an Asian access outcome. Really, it's the body of Christ in those countries where God is just moving in a powerful way. We just happen to be. A, a little small spark plug in the midst of it all, um, or, uh, you know, lighting a candle or something like that. Um, we're just privileged to be a part of what God's doing. But we, we've seen God move in powerful ways. Uh, for instance, I'll just tell a story that might illustrate uh, some of the impact. In Nepal, when we first started, I believe there was only one or two Bible schools And that started to lead into a mighty movement of God. um, One of the fastest growing um, churches in the world. Um, And by coming alongside leaders and helping kind of rethink, re-strategize, pray together, mobilize together, they set a brand new initiative for their country. Initially, the first two cohorts really were thinking exclusively about how do I grow my church? How do I go from, say, 50 to 150 or 300? Um, along through the two-year process with us, they gained a larger vision for their country and realized that to truly penetrate Nepali society, they needed to have churches that were accessible, not, not so much larger, but accessible to everybody. Uh, the average person uh, to go to church at that time in Nepal had to walk one way two hours, and then walk back home two hours.
0: Mm-hmm. Some,
1: people, some people literally had to walk seven hours one way to get to church, spend the day there, spend the night, walk home. So their goal was to plant 75,000 churches across the country, basically making one every three kilometers. Uh, it didn't matter the size. And that's had a profound change in the life of the church of Nepal. And that's just one example. Uh, We've seen the church in Mongolia go from uh, less than half a percent, uh, probably less, way less than that, to arguably, I mean, somewhere between three to seven percent, depending on who you talk about. Um, And so these are the kinds of impacts we see on the kingdom movement side on the on the stronger end, On, on the weaker end. Uh, we see our average graduate planting uh, around three to four churches after they graduate. So Mm -hmm. in some, some countries we've seen phenomenal moves of God. Um, Other countries, I would say on average, I think we're dealing with about three to four uh, churches that are planted within a five to seven year span after graduation with Asian access Uh, on the, on the business side, just quickly. Yeah. um, in the middle of our cohort in, in, um, in one country, uh, many people may know who Compassion International is. Yep. Um, Compassion was shut down in this one country we were working in, um, various political things going on. And uh, several of the guys in the cohort stood up and said, we're going to do something about that. So of the eight people in that uh, session, that particular weekend or a few weekends, uh, they decided to step up and take over three entire cities of Compassion kids in this country. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just a huge endeavor. Here, Compassion had completely closed down, couldn't work anymore. And this cohort said, you know what? We'll tackle taking care of these kids in these three major cities. And we'll try to call up our friends and see if they can do the same in other countries. Um, so those are the kinds of things we get to see happening.
0: Do, do you have a prescribed church planting methodology or philosophy? Uh, actually, we don't.
1: In fact, that's an interesting question because just two days ago, one of my colleagues said, Joe, do you think we could host a platform event um uh, led by Asians uh, to talk about how we can do church planting better together. He said all of these groups come in; they're all good, um, and they have their own particular, you know, way of doing church planting. Uh, you know, whatever you describe it, the you know, one step one, step two, step three, or A B C, or we do it this way or that way. And he said they all have value. What I'd like to do is pull together a platform where everyone can be at the table and work on collaboration, working together in these ventures. So, historically, Asian Access has never presented one particular model of church planting. What we do is we provide a, a kind of a foundational philosophy of ministry based on the Bible and then give people exposure to different models. So that they could say, oh, if I adapt this in my cultural context, that would be more effective in my particular church or my network or whatever. And that seems to have uh, created a flourishing environment for us. In this particular case, we're increasingly being contacted by various church planting entities uh, wanting us to get involved. And my colleague said, why don't we try to work with others to host something where everyone can be at the table and begin dialoguing so that we don't have too much, you know, too much of this overlapping stuff, uh, duplication, and kind of build on each other's strengths. And we're actually hoping that might come together this fall. Um, I just made a proposal um, yesterday and next week I'll be in KL for some meetings and hopefully we'll begin to discuss whether or not we can pull off something like that this uh, later this year.
0: How, how much of your staff is Western versus drawn from the countries or the region that you're working in?
1: So every country that we're working in except Japan, uh, all of our staff are volunteers, so that it's a volunteer movement. And even in Japan, our, our core leadership team are all volunteers. We mm. just happen to have one vice president who's v- Japanese. Um, and so, and, and he really works globally, not so much, uh, just exclusively Japan. So virtually you could say we're really a volunteer movement. We probably, uh, Operate on the shoulders of about 50 to 100 volunteers that dedicate anywhere from 20 to 40% of their time to Asian access. Uh, Aside from that, we have a very small um, kind of staff mechanism that helps facilitate all of this uh, globally. Um, And most of that staff would be Westerners, I think. I'd have to you know, think through that a little deeper, but um, probably 70% of that stat, that small team is from the West.
0: What, what do you see? So, you know, obviously we're getting news about Hong Kong and the political division there and what's, you know, all that kind yep. of business. I'd, I'd be curious if you got any thoughts about what's happening with the church there.
1: So the church is, uh, I'm, I'm in touch with kind of uh, multiple angles of that. Uh, the church uh, is uh, trying to be the light of Christ in the midst of the situation. The challenge is you really do have people on both sides of the issue in the church. So you've got uh, uh, typically younger people are on the, the side of, you know, we need change. And uh, the more established churches are, are or people are on the side of, you know, we need stability. And I think what they're trying to do, at least, you know, the, the key leaders are trying to really marshal the church to, to rise to the occasion and be peacemakers in the midst of the challenge. But it, it's quite chaotic, as you know, a big challenge. Um, but there are key, key leaders that are trying to lean in and be bridge builders in the midst of the challenge and say, how can we best be the light of the Christ, light of Christ in the midst of what is happening
0: right so you mentioned nepal you mentioned mongolia um across asia are there other places that you would say right now are particularly interesting from a great commission standpoint well
1: at least uh, you know if you if you look at it from from the point of view of nepal and mongolia those are kind of unique situations where god has really moved in powerful ways uh, we've also seen significant work uh, flowing out of Southeast Asia, in Cambodia and Vietnam, not to the scale of what's happening what's happened in Nepal or Mongolia. Um, and I would say in places like Sri Lanka and even India, you've seen some significant movement. Um, beyond that, it's more along the lines of those, you know, uh, graduate plants, three to four uh, churches or whatnot. Uh, that's on the, that side of the spectrum. Um, if you look at other issues uh, Asia is facing, the whole issue with China right now is uh, massive, not just for Hong Kong, but you have uh, ongoing pressure and persecution and uh, harassment happening uh, for the Church of China. And as well, they're facing this pretty significant health issue right now. Um, right. with the coronavirus. So there's multiple issues uh, flowing out of that situation that are causing the church to regroup. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners are aware that a number of groups had to kind of uh, double back or take back and uh, either leave the country or rethink their strategy. Um, Asian access comes alongside local leaders and really tries to empower them in the midst of what they're doing. One of the one of the great stories coming out of there is uh, many of the former kind of mega church pastors of China, of mega church underground, uh, mega church, are really retooling their ministry. Um, a good percentage of them are Asian Access alumni, and uh, they now say we are no longer senior pastors of mega churches. We are mission pastors of movements of God. We are going back to what we did, you know, uh, pre Tiananmen Square um, or in those early Tiananmen Squares, you know, years after and going back to a small group approach to church. um, It's really creative. One group I know, uh, they literally go to a park and have headsets on and and they're working out. But one of the one of the, um, you know, workout persons is the pastor and he's actually got a microphone in his uh, um, headset on, and he's actually preaching while he's running around the park. And mm. they break up from there and go to small groups all over the city. So all sorts of, that's just one example of the creativity that's flowing out of uh, China these days.
0: Well, I would, I'm very tempted to make a snarky comment about exporting that to mega church pastors in the U.S. <laughs> but I would, say, I would refrain. Yes, um, Switching topics just a little bit. So this last year, you received the Accelerate Award from Missio Nexus because of your creative use of social media. Could you give our listeners just an idea about how they could get better at social media?
1: You know, I would just say it's not as hard as you think, Um, especially if you can leverage tools that are out there. I would uh, get, you know, recruit some younger people who are very adept in these things to help you think through how can you magnify your voice? How can you share your story? Uh, In our case, we're really trying to give voice to voiceless pastors, voiceless leaders in Asia that have brilliant ideas to share with the world. I mean, think about it. What you just said about megachurch uh, situation. If the world could hear more stories like that, how much could it influence what we're doing worldwide? Uh, Just one simple example. Um, I use a tool called Buffer. I don't know how many people even know what that is, but everyone thinks I'm on social media 24-7 because of my postings. You know, they, oh, Joe's always on Facebook or whatever. The fact of the matter is I'm not. (laughs) I just post via a thing called Buffer and Buffer sends out things in mass to all these different channels. And so it actually doesn't take a lot of time to take up, snap a picture while you're on the run, especially with smartphones, and upload it quickly, or that evening, uh, to your Buffer stream and it goes out. That said, of course, I have a whole entire team that's also posting, um, and so that's just a unique blessing Our team is very talented, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just a simple mechanism, leveraging one simple little tool. And I'm always on the lookout for fantastic, great commission stories Um, and trying to get the word out there for what God is doing through this particular leader or this movement, because I think it encourages the body of Christ. I, I, the other thing I would say is uh, get personal. Um, most of us, and you know, I, I'll I'll be I'll confess to this. I'm a missions nerd. Um, I'm you know totally nerdy when it comes to mission stuff. I'm one of those geeks that everyone would you know think about. But the more I post about my family or what's happening interpersonally or even just fun stuff here and there the more it gets people engaged with what you do. And Mm -hmm. so a a good blend of the personal, the fun uh, and uh, missional stories. And then a a fourth one is just uh, incredible quotes or wisdom or things that people really want to, uh, that can latch onto for their lives. I think if you blend those four things, in using a simple tool like Buffer, um, and that's just one of many that are out there. Uh, it just works for me. Um, I would say that would help uh, your your great commission endeavor uh, by getting the word out there.
0: Well, that's excellent. Uh, we're gonna put in the show notes, a uh, link to creative, ac- I'm sorry, um, Asian access, as well as Buffer and, um, Look look them up online. Our guest has been Joe Hanley. Thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast with us.
1: Oh, Ted, it's great to be with you. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, thank you to everyone in the community. Um, What a huge honor it was for Asian Access and for me uh, to receive the Accelerate Award this year. We are deeply grateful. And I think we need to and I need to let everyone know that they're a part of that story. By them re-sharing our stories, uh, they have helped magnify what God is doing, and we're just deeply honored and grateful and, and humbled.
0: Well, thanks. Thanks, Joe. You have a good rest of your day while we start thinking about going to bed here.
1: Okay, thanks, Ted. God bless you.
0: Alright, time for something I like As well as a question from the mailbag We're going to start with the question from the mailbag And it actually didn't come to me Through the mailbag But it's a question that's been coming up More and more if People are asking me about and Part of it is coming from A book that was written last year by Michael Stroop um, About the whole Use of colonial language in mission The argument is that The even the word mission, it comes out of a colonial kind of a worldview, and therefore it's not biblical language. We need to return to biblical language, etc. And um Ted, you know, how how you know what's your stance on this? Are you taking a position? And you know, I would just say that particularly when I deal with uh European mission movements, uh, this seems to be an issue for them. Um so here's my take on it. Um fine idea. To me, not a big deal. I would never write a book about it. I would never campaign on it. I would never hold a conference saying that we need to move away from this colonial language. And and here's why. Um, it's Latin language. And 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 I've read the books and I've seen where the word Genesis comes from. And the, the fact of the matter is, we cannot run from our history. You know, we are a, the mission movement has a Eurocentric root to it. Now, is it moves out into the world? That is changing. And if the two thirds world wants to come up with new language, I'm all for it. They should do that. But, but the term, the language is not the problem here to me. It's a little bit like, um, th- this argument that, well, it's not biblical language. Well, neither is the word trinity. You could go into all sorts of different, um, uh, you know, examples of words that we use that are not strictly biblical terms, but that are, in fact, uh, coming from, you know, contemporary historical streams. But they describe something that's important. And when I read these books, what I really try, what I really sense there is frustration with the mission systems that we have, perhaps. That's a whole different topic, in my view. And um, do I have frustration with some of the mission systems? Of course I do. Um, On the other hand, I I do believe that God is sovereignly working through his church and what we have here today. His hand is in it. And uh, that as we move forward, we need to be open to prophetic change and what God might be doing in the world. Um, But this, to me, is a sideshow. It's not the main thing. So um, that's uh, kind of my view on this concept of trying to get away from the word mission. now something I like this is maybe a little bit more expensive than some things that I talk about it's a $200 item but let me tell you if you do any kind of video stuff this is a great little product it's called the Rode Wireless Go and what it is it's two small squares little let's say an inch by an inch each square and they what what it is it's a remote microphone you take one piece and you throw it in your pocket and Then you take the other piece, the other piece comes with a, uh, I think it's a 1 inch jack that you can stick into your camera. Um, in my case, I shoot with a Panasonic Micro Four Thirds camera. But listen, if you're shooting with an iPhone or an Android phone, as long as you got that input, that jack input, this little device you can stick in there. And then you have a wireless microphone that goes quite a great distance and the sound quality is incredible. And uh, neat little, small, simple product, it, uh, the battery life on it. I haven't tested this. The online reviews are giving it anywhere from five to six or seven hours. They claim seven hours, but let's say you get five hours out of it. I never record that long. Uh, you just charge it up and using a USB connector, and you're good to go. It's very tiny, fits in your camera bag. You can take it on international trips. Um, wonderful little device. That's called the Rode Wireless Go Compact Wireless Microphone System. So check it out. That's the podcast for today. Hope you have a blessed day wherever you're at.